It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we, we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the CT Startup Podcast. This is another conversation in the series uh, about Hartford and all the innovation that is happening right now. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm joined with me with our other co-host, Ojala Naeem. How are you doing, Ojala? Doing well. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. So this podcast, I'm going to be handing it over to Ojala in a minute to kind of uh, kick this off and introduce our two guests because this episode is going to be really talking about kind of corporate partners uh, again and talking about how uh, an industry, an age-old industry that we, we know uh, in Hartford um, is uh, really kind of uh, being at the forefront right now of new innovation. So Ojala, I will uh, hand it over to you to introduce our guests. Thanks, Eric. And yeah, it should be a fun conversation, right? We're, we're focusing on Hartford uh, in this series of podcasts and Hartford is the insurance capital of the world. Uh, Susan Winkler would uh, come after me if I did not remind our listeners of that. Um, so excited to have two leaders that have been really active in making sure that uh, we not only stay the capital of the world, but really make sure everyone's aware of that. So we've got uh, Danny Mendoza, who is the Director of Design and Innovation at Cigna, and Beth Mers, who is the Senior Vice President of Customer Experience and Innovation. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. 
So I'm going to kick off the conversation with uh, really, you know, innovation and insurance. Um, a lot of people would think those two words don't necessarily go together. Like, what, is, what does innovation and insurance actually mean and look like? And I'll open it up to either of you. Beth, you want to take that one first? Sure. Uh, so I, when I get asked this question, I usually start with a little bit of background uh, in that in many ways, insurance has over the you know, course of history fueled innovation, right? Personal and business. You would never put an airplane in the sky. You would never, as an individual, take risks in putting all of your money in a home unless you knew you had insurance, right? So just a little bit of background there, I think, you know, as we look at the history over time, those massive innovations where people have taken risks at putting new things in market have generally been backed up by insurance. Um, today, you see that in the space of cyber, right? That's why we see cyber insurance becoming so important um, as industries and organizations push into the technology realm. Um, so just as a background, insurance, I believe, fuels innovation. But so that's one way to think about it. I think the other way to think about it right now is that insurance is at the cornerstone of leveraging new innovations in the marketplace. So um, the business that we do is so based on uh, technology, information, and data that it just had to be that we were going to be the consumers of pretty much every information uh, innovation going on, everything from translating imagery into data uh, through AI, uh, the Internet of Things, if you look at both auto and property insurance right now, as well as workers' comp, so much of what we're trying to do in the insurance space is change the way we do work from people and paper intensive to leveraging everything about our environment in order to help better assess that risk. So I, I actually, um, I think right now, when we look at people coming in, the 20-somethings today, insurance is now increasingly becoming the place to be, right? I like to say insurance got cool around us, right? So now we're the place uh, where individuals that really want to push the envelope of information technology want to come to work, be it cloud, artificial intelligence, uh, internet of things, uh, geospatial, that this is just where all of those things come together across markets. How yeah. about you, Danny? What do you think? That was amazing, first of all, because it's, you know, it's true, right? The complexity of the ecosystem, you know, but I also think that it's, it's one of those where the expectation for the experience, you know, from our customers could be driven in other industries, right? Whether it's retail or entertainment. And so we have to not only keep up, but then transform, right? How are our products specific to Signal within healthcare experienced through these new emerging technologies? And so we can't sit back and say, we've got it and everything is great because that's not our culture, right? And that's what's exciting about innovation within insurance, within Hartford, within Cigna, is that we have a culture that is incredibly responsible. We understand the challenge. We're not perfect, but we're also not afraid. And we're gonna take on those big challenges. We're gonna figure it out. We're gonna do it as a team, or we're gonna meet entrepreneurs who bring some new energy and we're gonna get it done. And that's the, the spirit, right, Beth, you were talking about? Everybody wants to be a part of because the impact, right, is gigantic. To be able to change the way that you experience life or, you know, secure your, you know, loved ones or where you live, 
it's just incredible. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Everybody wants to help change the world in some way, shape or form. Right. And, uh, and, and I guess, uh, you know, like, I guess you were saying, Beth, is that like insurance underlies everything or, or has been since the beginning. I, I feel like I've heard some story about the East Asian China company being insured. Right. And the, you know, yada, yada. Um, but, uh, so one, uh, would love to learn, uh, know what cyber insurance means. Cause I haven't heard that, that term, you know, uh, uh, first, but I do want to kind of follow up on another question, kind of make sure I kind of heard you right. Uh, is that you kind of said, Beth, is that like, it's insurance's time right now. And, and what I kind of heard from that was that like the tech needed to get to a certain point where it could actually be useful for the insurance companies to then go use it and actually change kind of the underlying business model. Is that kind of how, how you were kind of thinking about it? Because I'm, I'm just thinking about like tracking cars, right? And being able to, uh, you know, IoT and connecting certain things and getting that data and then analyzing that data, right? Like, I mean, that wasn't around 10, 15 years ago at scale to, to do. Is that, uh, is that kind of what you were thinking or? I think you're exactly right, Eric. You know, and, and it's, it's, that's not even limited to that, right? But if you think about the way insurance companies, and I don't know, Danny, about health insurance, but certainly in the property and casualty insurance, technology and data has always been a critical component of what we do. Um, and historically, a lot of that had been big mainframe solutions that were built to move around lots of data. Um, but if you think about the evolution of technology in the last 15 years, um, so much of that has been around how we manage large volumes of data and how we translate the built world into bits and bytes, right? And I don't think the tech was there 13 years ago. I don't, I'm not even sure it was really there eight years ago. It's certainly evolving pretty rapidly now. And in some cases, I would argue our appetite for that technology um, is not met by what's available. I'll, I'll give you a great example. I think, you know, almost every one of the insurance companies out, out there right now in auto are focused on building solutions that can um, adjust to the way an individual uses their car, right? So people usually refer to that as pay as you drive or telematics. Uh, we've all been struggling with how do we get the data appropriately about how you, Eric, specifically drive. Um, the, the pro you look scared by that. That might mean that you, well, we can just, we can surmise how you drive. Um, <laughs> but I think the, you know, the, the challenge there is really that the data should come right off the car. The cars capture that today. There is no single translator across all of the OEMs that gives me one data stream about how everybody drives across every car. And so I, I would, I am, if I was a betting woman, I would say insurance companies are gonna be the one that drives that translator because we need it in order to offer you a better product that meets your needs, that adjusts to what you do. There, uh, behind that, there are millions of applications, right? You could have marketers that are offering you deals based on, you know, where you are and what city you're in. Um, so I could argue that we'll push the envelope in many ways because we have a huge opportunity for it. And then there will be other companies that will come behind us and say, hey, having access to where that car is allows me to have all kinds of commercial solutions for people that own cars. So I think there's, there's that for sure right now. Um, and, and then I would also say, you know, so much of our experience has required you to make a phone call or send us a piece of paper. We don't need that anymore. Right? You can take a picture, um, you can type something into uh, your phone, right, and ask a question on that. 
Um, we don't need to do what we've been doing for years and the technology is now here with us to enable a very different experience. And I think Danny was spot on when he said, so much of this is around the customer experience and how can we be more helpful, right? How can we help customers protect the things they love, not just make it better when it goes wrong? Well, we have the ability to do that now because we can reach you and help you understand how to live safer lives in ways that we just couldn't cost effectively do that before. Exactly. I'll just, I'll quickly add to that, you know, thinking about some of the challenges that we're taking on, not only to simplify the healthcare experience and make it more affordable, but to your point, Beth, right, make it more predictable. What can we do with the data and a lot of the methodologies to process that data ethically and safely and securely back to your point, Eric, just weren't around or as prevalent or common. So for the entire industry, really for the entire world, to build up its you know, ability to process data, find insights, and then do something ahead of when you're needed is fantastic to be there now. You know, So absolutely, reaching out before you reach out to us, that, that would be you know, the holy grail. How would you then use that data? I mean, you know, it helps you better understand or firm that Eric is a maybe not great driver, um, right? It could be. No, I'm a, I'm a good driver. I'm, I'm just saying is that, you know, just like, it's just like the liberty, you know, it's just like trucking. It's like the, you know, now my car is trucking everywhere I'm going. I mean, listen, I want a Tesla and I get, that's going to happen. Right. But you know, listen, if you, but, if you have a, if you have a smartphone though, you're being tracked 24 seven. Yeah, I, I know. I, it's I the, say. yeah, I, I, I do understand that, but no, I, I know I don't get tickets. I stay below the, the, the you know, we'd, but, we'd love to, you know, we'd love to help you with an auto policy then Eric, give us a ring. <laughs> Um, so, we, oh, go ahead, Ojala. No, I was going to say, you know, we're using it to understand how we can better serve the customers. Um, but how are both of your areas using that data to make the, you know, not just the experience, but how they behave better? So how they take care of their health better <laughs> or yeah. how they make sure that they're not recklessly driving or getting tickets or, or taking care of their house? Like how are, how are we able to, as different insurance companies really influence those aspects? Yeah. I mean, a very simple and straightforward way is to look at the data make sure that it's you know clean, accurate and start to look at models, right? What can we learn from this, this data set, right? Are there indicators that we need to reach out proactively and say, Eric, uh, there might be a reason why you're driving erratically, you know, um, maybe there's something that we'd want to follow up with a you know, provider on or inform our coaches so that we can reach out and we say, you know, let's talk, what's going on? How are you feeling today? Again, having that, you know, sort of whole person thinking about their environment, can't do it without the data, can't do it without massive amounts of data. And so I think the next challenge is how can we process it and then make it useful of value so then we retranslate it back to our customer. So it's it's great that you can collect it. Now you've got to process and do something with it. Otherwise, it's just going to sit in a lake somewhere. Yeah, I think that's right, Danny. And I, and I think adding to that is, you know, as we continue to think about what types of analytics we need in insurance, this is where now the term behavioral economics and starts coming into play in human-centered design. Yeah. Um, if we look at Ojala to your point around how can we help make people better drivers, the evolution of the Travelers Pay As You Drive program, which is, we call it IntelliDrive, 
um, the most current version has something in there called distraction. It actually tracks you know, the streaks by which you drive undistracted, right? That influences your price, right? If you drive without distraction, you get a better price. Uh, but we are also reaching out to those drivers and saying, look, picking up your handset and your handheld while you're driving, not a good idea. So there's recommendations around what that might look like. I think as we get better and better data, we can do more of that. Um, in the homeowner space, I think there's a whole lot of opportunity there. Uh, most individuals don't have complete knowledge around what things they need to do to maintain their home. Um, and we know from the research that we've done as millennials have uh, deferred home ownership until later in life and they're used to living with a landlord that shows up and takes care of the building and the property, um, a number of them are not aware of you know, how often you need to change your air filter on your furnace, whether or not you need to clean your gutters out, uh, you know, what it means to um, effectively arm your alarm system when you leave the house. You know, all of those things are pieces of information that we can help and provide that level of insight to consumers around what does it mean to keep a safe home. Um, you know, we've been exploring with it travelers um, additional capabilities of helping customers actually reach out to an individual and talk about what's going on in their house. Think telemedicine for your home. Do I need a specialist? Do I need somebody, a plumber or an electrician? So finding those opportunities to help people protect the assets that they've made significant investment in um, and ward off a possible you know, accident or event that would create a claim is better for the customer for sure and better for us. So how do we find those moments that matter and help educate individuals about how to live safer lives? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, even just a water heater. Um, there's upkeep on that. I didn't know that you could change the, the rod and it would last, you know, another three years. So I just bought a house, so I'm taking copious notes from all of <laughs> <Take> you. <notes. laughs> yeah. I know what I got to go check right after the podcast. Yeah. Keep up your appliances. Yep. <laughs> I have to change a water pump uh, this, this uh, in the next uh, week or so, you know, so I get it, you know, there's a lot. So Interesting that you guys like first, you know, talk about data, right? Like the, the atmosphere wasn't right to be able to analyze the data and, and use it. And now like we get to the point where again, like the behavioral economics, that's like the freakonomic stuff, right? Stephen Kotler, I think, right. And all that, that kind of idea. And us humans were irrational. So there's either the carrot or the stick, right. For, sure. for us to have some sort of, uh, of change in our behavior. Right. Um, so I guess, it's interesting. So health and, and, you know, kind of property two completely different things. Um, and so how does like the internet of things and, and like connected devices change that? I mean, are, is the consumer, the, the customer experience kind of the, the way you start getting people to interact with this, these, these, uh, technologies, because that's the, again, is it like, what's the, what's the carrot? Is that, is that the kind of the carrot? The, is the customer experience, the carrot, of the of kind of using the 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 tech so you can get that data and then you know again help them change kind of like their their behavior a lot lot in there so sorry i kind of rambled there but uh just kind of my, my train of thought <laughs> yeah i was i was as you were talking i was thinking about there we could go in so many different directions with that answer but you know when you mentioned the sort of customer experience being the carrot i i can't almost every company out there that has brought a connected device to the home, to the market, has looked to insurance companies as a way to help fund that. 
because they look at it and go, oh, well, that's going to keep the home safer. Um, therefore, you should help us fund the device. Uh, there's a couple of challenges with that. One, it's actually regulated that we cannot give away free things as part of the policy. So there's you know, limits up to which we can actually give things away for good reason. Otherwise, you'd have carriers trying to buy customers from other carriers with uh, giveaways. Um, but where there is opportunity for that to be an important part of the insurance exchange, then it is possible. We can talk to departments of insurance and say this is important in helping the customer protect their home. Um, so I think to your point, many of those device owners are saying, hey, insurance carriers, this is something you should want to do. And at Travelers, we've tested and are continuing to evolve that for sure. Um, and then in some cases, Eric, it's really about just educating customers about the things that matter. Like the most, one of the most important connected devices in your home is a water sensor device, because that's what's going to create the biggest damage to your home, right? Particularly for I those of you one. that have a washer and dryer <laughs> on the second floor, right? Those create a lot of damage if they end up flowing all over your house for hours with hot water pouring out and pouring down into your, you know, $100,000 kitchen. So there are real opportunities for us to help educate customers about the devices that matter. Um, usually when we think of carrot with those, it's usually you, you got to kind of entice them with the camera because everybody wants a camera in their house. Nobody cares about a water sensor device. Um, so there's for, for sure that. I think the other side of it is that you asked was the customer experience. You know, having an experience where your insurance company is reaching out to you because they can tell that the car was in a crash. Mm -hmm. Is it a lot better than you fumbling through your glove box trying to find your auto ID card so you can figure out who you need to call while you're trying to figure out how to get your car off the side of the road? So um, being able to really rethink the value exchange, get a tow truck to you when you need it, make sure that you're safe, help you think about what things need to happen because a crash just happened um, is significantly better than the old way of trying to file a claim in the event of an accident. So I think there, um, every single part of the value exchange between the insurance carrier and the consumer can be reevaluated based on how technology can better enable that customer experience. And that's, you know, a lot of the reason as, as we think about innovation and travelers, it's really about what are the customer experiences that matter and how do we leverage technology to make that better? So what's the carrot for, for us as humans? Cause we obviously, you know, I, we, I would love for that to happen when my car breaks down, they just send the tow truck. Hey, listen, we already know what, you know, we're already going to send the bill to the, to the, uh, the auto, uh, uh, place to, to get it fixed. So like, what about for health insurance? How, how are you trying to change that for us? Yeah, I would say first, you know, time, time is a big, big factor. If we can make things easier and you're spending less time wondering what to do next or what should happen next if it's already happening for you that would be fantastic right it's a great experience you're not sitting there confused but i, I know I, I bring it back to sort of a, a realm of concert conversation like all we're trying to do is have great conversations and for us you know within iot we want to be present we want to be there more frequently ahead of time before you file the claim and then we go through sort of, you know, the process that's expected. What we have to talk through is, is our carrot and really where we've been really successful is building trust. I'm saying if you trust us to be present, to be better listeners and aware of what could potentially be happening or how we could be helpful, 
you know, this is the proposal. Like we want to be there through IoT. We want to be near you, with you, listening and ready to support. You know, and sometimes that takes a huge leap of trust because you're, you know, you're accepting someone into your life. Uh, but that's what we're here for. Right? We're supposed to be that safety net, and then build on that. How do you balance the trust of your personal brand, right, Cigna, with the trust of like whatever it is you're recommending to your people? So like if my healthcare insurer said, hey, we really want you to start wearing this new iWatch because you have a heart condition and it has EKG monitoring, it, it's going to be great for you. You'll know kind of if you have any irregularities. I might say, well, do I trust Apple? Maybe that's a terrible example. Everyone trusts Apple these days. But, you know, you're, you're, you're an Android you're, person too. You're, 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 you're I am an Android person, so I had to put yeah. that out there. Um, but there's, you know, there's, you're, you're basically like, I don't think Sigda's making any of these IoT devices. You might be behind the scenes, but I'm assuming you're working with someone else and then you're you're telling your customers, use this and trust us that everything's gonna be fine. And then, you know, Beth, same kind of framing that same question I have for you. I mean, I think about, you know, some of the data breaches that like Amazon and Ring has had recently, or, um, you know, the stories you hear on the news of people hacking into your security cameras and talking to your kids while they're trying to go to sleep. Like that's frightening and terrifying. So, so how do you balance that trust as, you know, an insurance company with like all these other things you want to offer to your customers to better their experience? It takes a lot of people. I don't know if Beth, you were going to go into that, but it takes a lot of people, a lot of teams, right? So we, we have sort of a contract, like here are the expectations for an IOT device to join any sort of pilot or actual relationship with our customers, you know, or for any sort of digital health experience to be a part of our ecosystem. You've got to meet these you know, standards. These are the qualifications. And it's not just a security and a data and an experience you know, expectation, but also thinking about clinical outcomes. You know, so a lot of research goes into it to make sure that what we bring forward, think of it as a charcuterie board if you'd want, we're not gonna bring the, the stuff that's questionable. We're gonna bring things that have been you know, tried and tested and we know that are going to deliver results. Otherwise, they just don't make the cut. So no moldy cheese. Unless you're into that. Like the blue cheese is delicious. Yeah, I was about to say blue cheese is <laughs> definitely a staple on the Jacuzzi board. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Ojal, I think it's a, it's a conversation and a discussion we have every day, right? The responsible use of information and is critical as we think about moving the industry forward. And and I believe, and this goes beyond insurance, I think we all need to feel empowered that we own our own data, right? That we are giving permission to the people that we do business with to use information about us. In healthcare, you have the HIPAA compliance laws that really requires you. And a lot of people just sign those things, should really read them, they're really important. And in auto insurance and property insurance, we are regulated pretty heavily around what information we can use around individuals and for good reason, right? That it is important that as an industry, we are being responsible in how we use information um, in order to appropriately price and service a risk. I'm, I am hopeful and that, you know, we started this conversation around there's no single company right now that is a data exchange effectively across the OEMs. I mean, part of the reason we want that is I don't really wanna own the data around where Eric is driving. 
I might want to leverage that in order to use use it to deliver the best service and provide the best price, but I don't need that within the four walls of travelers. There's another way for us to think about that. Um, and I do believe that if we're really going to get into customized solutions for customers leveraging data, we have to have a platform that asks for permission to do that. And it needs to be transparent, not one of those like check boxes, right? Where you kind of checked it at the top and you didn't read the fine print down below. Um, so I think there is and should be and will continue to be um, evolutions in that sort of platform for customer data. I mean, beyond insurance, as a, as a person, I am hopeful that we get better controls around what information people can share on me personally, and I have the opportunity to say who gets access to what. And I think we'll get there, maybe not in the next five years, but certainly in the next 10 years, I think we're gonna see that where there really will be platforms for discussion around who gets access to what. Because if you knew how much information on you was currently running around, you'd probably be uncomfortable with that. Hmm. So I, I think we need, A, I think the insurance industry is being extremely careful and rightly so around what data they use. Um, but I think well beyond insurance, uh, we need a better platform across the board around how information is shared. Yeah, I think that's more like the the thing about like the data is this like, again, you like it can be used for nefarious, like data can be used sure. for nefarious reasons if for somebody that wants to use it, if, if need be. And, and I assume the not having it within the four walls of travelers, right? That's also a security, you know, risk, right? And, yeah. and a liability, it gets hacked and they have to pay fines or this or that, or something, you know, all this other, you probably have insurance on that, I bet. Right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, so in, I guess one of the things that people think about, um, I guess maybe naturally uh, about insurance is that they're kind of hierarchical. There are organizations that just have processes on processes on processes, right? And new innovations come along um, and kind of can streamline certain things. And also the past year, we've all as organizations been like, we can run things differently, right? We can structure things differently. We can run maybe a little bit more lean. How are some of these innovations kind of changing the way you're looking internally and like the structure and like the bureaucracy of, of some of these bigger, you know, you guys are big companies, right? So bigger companies on how you can streamline some of these innovations and, and kind of uh, work more efficiently for the, for the uh, consumer. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just an individual, not a huge company, but I work mm -hmm. for one, right? And at least I can say that I'm proud of all of the teams along the process who roll up their sleeves you know, from sourcing to legal, to privacy, to security, you know, you're hearing, if you're an entrepreneur thinking of joining the space or you're in the space, you're hearing, right, how to merge ships or ideas with the expectation, the responsibilities that we have within our highly regulated environment. So we can't just say, that's awesome, let's go for it, and then have it ready and spun up tomorrow because it's our customer, right? We're not going to do that. So there are things that you know, force us to go through studies, to learn, to be responsible. But once you see it, it's contagious. And that's where I'm really excited about the team at Cigna because the culture just sees it. And they're excited to be on the project, to be on the call. And they bring their own innovative thinking on how to you know, make their process more you know, efficient and improve in their own you know, corners because it's, it's, it's an expectation. You know, we're not just going to wake up and do the same thing every day. It's we're going to improve on it. 
either through small I or large I, everyone is in on it and everyone is expected to innovate. So that's, that's sort of what it's like every day at Cigna. Conversations around solving problems, doesn't matter how difficult they are. So no bureaucracy then? Not to the degree where, you know, it's like, oh my God, why don't things, you know, happen? Like that just doesn't exist. Yeah. Sometimes okay. like the non, I guess sometimes bureaucracy could just seem as just, it's somebody's not, not willing to put in the effort and the work to solve a hard problem. Right. And, you know, sometimes that's bureaucracy, but, uh, but Beth, maybe you have a, a different uh, or, or a kind of another kind of take on it. I mean, it all depends on what your, what your perspective is. Right. Um, it, to say that in insurance that we can innovate as, as fast as a eight person startup, that's just, that is, that won't be the case, right? It can't be. Um, and, and so the challenge is real and it, it probably should be, it probably shouldn't be super easy. Um, but when I, a couple of things I think need to happen. One, it has to be a business imperative, it needs to come from the top down. If you're gonna really drive innovation through the place, and there is an alignment um, at the senior levels that it has to happen and that it's critical to the business success, then, then you're probably not gonna be successful in a large company doing innovation. Um, so I think you know, what we see at Travelers is it's seen as a business imperative. We talk a lot about perform and transform, right? And that comes straight from the top that you have to perform in order to have the right to transform. And if you don't transform, then you won't be performing in the future. So. There is a whole lot around that. And most people at Travelers could actually say those words I just said. They could, they could for sure repeat that. Um, I, I think that we learn a lot in the rest of the business, the day-to-day -day implementation of business strategies through innovation, because innovation teaches us new ways to do work, human-centered design, small teams, agile work, ways of doing work that you can pull through. Um, so I think as we've watched the, the drive for innovation at Travelers, you see it transform everything we do. Um, and that can only be seen as a good thing. You know, the flip side of it, what Danny just talked about, it can be difficult, right? We've, you have to file many products with the regulators that can take months, if not years, depending on what the product is. Um, we ha have a history of building product based on years and years of experience. Meaning you have to have a loss experience with that thing in order to price it, in order to put it in market. Well, if you've never done that thing before, that makes people very uncomfortable because how do you price a thing if you've never seen that risk? Um, and then how do you manage it? You gotta manage it differently. And if you get it wrong, by the way, you gotta go back and file it again. So it isn't a matter of, oh, I underpriced that quick, just raise the prices. You can't do that. You have to actually take it back to the regulators and say, I need to make an adjustment to that filing. So it is inherently more difficult in certain areas of our business to innovate than it is in other industries. Um, but other industries have their own challenges. So um, I, I think my observation, having been now with Travelers for, I think it's a little over 15 years, is that the work that we've been doing in innovation has helped the rest of the business as well, right? We do things better, we do them faster, we think differently about the way we do work in, in a way that perhaps we wouldn't have thought about 15 years ago. So um, the value is there not only for what you would call innovations, but the core way we do work. Mm -hmm. 
and you you kind of said it it shouldn't necessarily be easy right because you you have customers you're talking about real i mean loss right like your business is handling loss and handling a difficult moment and you know so you can't have products that you know adversely affect your customers right um and, and so forth so so i guess this kind of leads into my next question about like how you're working with startups and and other people within hartford right and and how you bring kind of entrepreneurs into the fold because Obviously, you know, uh, an, an entrepreneur can't come just knock on your door and say, listen, let me get a pilot. Let me get into, you know, access your, your customers and let's, let's work this out. So I bet they um, try though. I was oh, going to say, if I we, showed you my <laughs> inbox, Eric, I would swear there are about 40 well, people a day yeah, yeah. who want to do that. <laughs> well, the unrealistic ones. All right. The, the ones with, that, that understand the, you know, the time. So knowing that there's always a process and a time that, you know, it t- takes to kind of get things going. Um, I'd love to hear from both your perspectives, like how you're working with the ecosystem in Hartford. And because uh, it seems like the director from the top is there, you, you, you know, everybody seems to be more active uh, from both sides of the table and all the, the companies. So like h- how you work with entrepreneurs to uh, get you into that fold? I mean, I, you know, it, it, there's two ways when I think about the Hartford ecosystem, I think we, and, and we'll probably get into that more, I think, but we as the carriers in the Hartford area have an accountability to the ecosystem and the startups to work with those folks, mentor the teams, help them think about their solution. That doesn't always mean that there is a pilot opportunity at Travelers. And the reason for that is some, you know, the, probably the best piece of advice when I got into innovation that someone shared with me was don't fall in love with the solution, fall in love with the problem. So. The, our business problem has to be aligned with whatever the solution is that that startup has. And I think sometimes that can be very difficult for startups to hear. Like, I think your idea is really cool. Let me help you build it. But there's no place right now in my portfolio for it to fit. Um, that can be frustrating for sure. It doesn't mean that their solution is a bad one. It's actually a good one. It just doesn't solve a problem I'm trying to address right now. So there has to be alignment, first of all, between whatever that solution is that the startup has. Um, But even beyond that, even if I choose not to do work with a particular startup, very often they've helped expand our thinking around where the market opportunity is. And it could be they've gotten me to think about a problem in my industry that I hadn't thought about before, which leads to things down the road. Um, And and hopefully I'm helping them think about how that solution they have fits in the industry. So finding alignment is, is the first one. Um, the second one is they can help us go faster, right? We can experiment with a use case um, or a solution much quicker with a startup than if we were trying to build it from the ground up ourselves, for sure. Um, and then th- for the ones that do a good job, they want to work with the partners they're working with to really think about how to fit it into the client's business problem or business solution. Um, so, you know, that's a, a lot of the way that we do work. I, I forget the number of companies that we've been piloting um, opportunities with coming out of the Harvard ecosystem, but it's been dozens, right? So we've done a variety of different activities with different folks um, across the business. And uh, in, in all cases, I know on our end, it's helped us evolve and move things forward. And I believe um, for the companies that we've been working with, we've been helping them build out their solution as well. So that's hopefully the value exchange that you have when the, the two come together. Yeah, it's a, it's a, perfect word exchange it's a trade right it's it's a little bit of give and take but it comes down to that timing the time might not be right for us to either go to pilot or to do research or you know to take it into other corners of the business but 
we're going to spend some time together, right? Because we need to invest and nothing would make us happier than to see an entrepreneur set up shop in our own backyard and to build their company and to build up more talent, right? That wants to innovate, that wants to leverage technology and then makes our whole ecosystem successful. So when we were in person, inviting those entrepreneurs to come into this building behind me, this is fake, by the way, I'm not in front of it, actually. Um, <laughs> but to, to meet leaders across our company and just talk, again, conversations of quality. I would say this might be a different view you never had before to a challenge that's been with us for you know, a couple of years. And it's really interesting, the, the reaction, you know, from different teams when they have those conversations, like some within our engineering groups might love a technology. So, you know, this is light years, you know, ahead of what we're seeing in the industry and they want to, you know, bring them in and they want to make them a part of the company. And then we have to balance that, right? Where is it on the priority list? We've got some really big challenges to take on. And so we've got to do a little bit of a blocking and tackling until we're ready. But, you know, that's, that's another part of it. We have so many levers to pull that, you know, it makes the company great, whether it's piloting, mentoring, or, you know, eventually even through our ventures arm, investing in so that we can benefit from the growth of an idea that we see a lot of value in. You know, it's, it's pretty much alive and well, just in different pockets. So, you know, this, this podcast is a part of a series around innovation places and, and for Hartford, uh, the insure tech boom in the last five years, um, especially from what came out of, uh, launch has been pretty incredible to see, uh, you know, I think travelers and Cigna from, uh, beginning has been a pretty, uh, great partner in that. What, what got you guys to say, okay, we need, we need to invest. And I think Beth touched on that a little bit in terms of, you know, we got to really look at what's happening in our backyards and, and Danny, you touched on that as well. Um, what have been some of the successes you've seen coming out of that over the last five years? And, um, you know, where do you think it's headed next? Yeah, I just, I know we have a visual somewhere. If I was ready for this, I, I would have brought it with The me. podcast. Don't even worry yeah. about the visuals. Imagine, right? Close your eyes and imagine a circle with very few connections in it and travelers and the Hartford and Cigna and the city of Hartford, right? We're at that core, just trying to foster innovation in our backyard. And then you fast forward five years after and you see so many you know, connections into educational institutions, into partners within technology. So you see that it's building up, it's thriving, but it's also interesting to see how we're interacting with each other, right? And, and looking at other uh, resources within the city like Connecticut Innovations. How are we all you know, connected? And then how can we all strive for the same you know, result? We want growth. We want economic growth for our city. We want talent right, to be evolved and be prepared to join us because we have a lot of challenges to take on. And so being able to see that over the course of five years has been a personal reward, but then being able to bring in some of those opportunities for us to test and learn, like Beth mentioned, has been a reward for our customers because ultimately they are the, the beneficiaries of all of this activity. And so we have two responsibilities, right? Our customers, but then also to be a great partner. And that last one is how can we continue to be a great partner for our city where we have our headquarters? and demonstrate right, that we are the partner that's gonna go out there and solve all of these challenges in health insurance when others might be reluctant to, or might be too relaxed about their approach. And we're gonna do it locally. So that's 
that's a bit of the, the reason why and we continue and there's a lot of passion in the, the Hartford insurance tech space. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'd echo some of what Danny said. I think there was the first part would be making sure that we're a good partner to the city of Hartford and Travelers has a long, um, a, a long history of that. So that's a key and critical part. The other is, I think we have something unique in Hartford. And when we all got together, boy, it was five or six years ago now and started looking at this opportunity, the question was, you know, can insurance carriers, particularly those that compete, um, can they partner together to do it? And I think we all agreed that we needed to, for the success of the city and the success of each of ourselves individually, like how do we make sure that we're building a workforce for the future? How do we leverage, I mean, the, the city of Harvard, the state of Connecticut has tremendous technical talent, tremendous. Um, and our opportunity to provide that talent with a place to grow and develop is here on us now. So we have to make sure that we're investing in those areas where they see enthusiasm. You know, we all laugh about it, but it wasn't long ago that, you know, majority of our systems were being developed in COBOL. Um, so, you know, how do we rethink the opportunity for that talent that's coming out? We have tremendous educational institutions across the state. And those institutions want to partner with corporations to deliver a better, a solution for their students uh, and for the community. Um, and I think we also have a really great public-private partnership with, you know, CT Innovations and CT Next and the investments that they're making in uh, the different communities across the state are critical. So we have all the right raw material um, and we have, I'd say, some of the best sort of brain talent in insurance in the country. So to me, it just makes logical sense. And at the same time, there's been a number of things going on, and Danny mentioned those, a number of things going on across the, the city as it relates to what's going on with Stanley Black and Decker, what's going on at Upward Hartford um, and Upward Labs. Like there's opportunities there to create an ecosystem that is greater than the sum of the parts. And, you know, clearly the pandemic has been unfortunate. Um, but I am hopeful that as we all come back into the city of Hartford um, and spend more time together, we'll be able to not only get kind of back to that momentum, but surpass it because I think we've got um, uh, what I would say is a more innovative spirit going on across the companies that are, that are here. So how do we come together and continue to double down on what we started um, five or six years ago and drive at an even greater pace as we come into 2022 and 23. Very nice. Very nice. So I know we're going to, uh, we're going to be wrapping up soon. Um, and I really appreciate uh, speaking with you. Hopefully again, we'll be able to meet in person at some point. I've been meeting a lot of people yeah. over the past year where it's like, Oh, hopefully we can uh, actually uh, see each other at a networking event. Never craved a networking event, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> as I have, uh, <laughs> um, so anyways, I want to end on a two-part question. Um, and uh, it's, you know, basically you're kind of hitting on a little bit of it, Beth. So I will uh, I'll start with Danny and let Beth can kind of come back to it. But um, so one, the past year changed a lot of, you know, I know for me as an entrepreneur, my business changed some of my business assumptions. So, you know, one, has there anything that's been, has changed your viewpoint on innovation or changed your view of, you know, uh, your kind of a business assumptions? And then two, what are you most excited about as we kind of head into summer and kind of head into kind of the, uh, the reopening of everything? So it's kind of, uh, we can end on those two little uh, things. 
So has the last year changed perspective on innovation? And then what are we looking forward to? What was the last part? Yeah. What are you most looking forward to uh, as uh, things reopen? Oh, okay. All right. So uh, first I would say the acceleration of an entire, you know, globe really uh, to adopt more virtual and digital technologies is unheard of, right? We in our innovation space get to see a lot of emerging technology and a lot of potential and there's a lot of excitement, but there's always all that testing and, and needing to learn and slowly adopt. And that really went out the window last year. It was an abrupt shift to adopt, apply, learn, and improve. And so I think that that is not gonna slow down, right? So what I learned is adoption of virtual and digital is just gonna continue to multiply and we need to be prepared for that, right? So it's exciting because things are moving fast and the expectations are high. Um, but it's, you know, it's also the challenge of keeping up with what our, what our customers expect from us. So that's one lesson. Um, the other I think would be, you know, to, to never be content um, and also learn from what we just went through and come back stronger, right? We know that every company turned into a healthcare company in the last year, needing to understand what it was like to work safely, return safely. And we're all signing new contracts now and what it's like to continue to work whether it's you know in office or remote and so to continue to prepare for all those different dynamics that large employers have it's going to be critical what am i most looking forward to is i like to make people smile i like being together with people i'm a social person so i'm looking forward to closing the laptop and being in person uh, for for lunch and some of our activity in hartford is being together with leaders like beth you know and others in our ecosystem and talking about what do we want to take on next those are, are critical conversations that are a little bit more difficult now, you know, through a screen. And I can't wait to get back to that. That's great, right. Danny. That, thank you hit on most of the stuff I was thinking about. My one thing for healthcare is that we continue to lean into telehealth. That's like fantastic. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to a doctor's office. So that's my, that's my healthcare wish um, for sure. I, I think, for me, the, the part that I've been most excited about in the past year is that I think we now all get to believe moonshots are possible, mm. right? I mean, and I'm not just talking about the vaccine, like that's totally awesome. I got my vaccines. I'm like loving going out to dinner. It's all great, right? But it's who would have thought that we would have reduced air pollution in the state of Connecticut by 30 to 40% within four months. Nobody would have thought that, right? It, like the types of things that have changed, we were able to influence and change. If you had asked somebody at Travelers in it three days, we are going to spend, send everybody home and they will be just as productive yeah. on day five as they were on day one. Nobody would have believed that, right? So these things that we've been able to do and get it done, actually get it done really well, those things... I think allow us to dream a little bigger now in our business, right? Whatever that thing is, you get to say, I can do something really crazy. You just have to think about it hard enough. So that, that's my, like, what was my learning from the last year? Um, in addition to, you know, we have to move digital faster because everybody wants it. Um, but, you know, I, I would have said, if you'd asked me three weeks ago, what am I most excited about? I would have ironically said getting on a plane, 
but I did it last week and the travel was just as horrific as it's I remembered it. And I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> there was flight <laughs> delays and all kinds of crazy it's stuff. It's actually so. worse right now, I think. Oh, it's so you're... bad. It's so, so bad. bad. Yeah. Um, the fast pass, right? I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I have all that stuff that's supposed to get me through an airport quicker, but that doesn't stop flight delays. I don't, they're still there. Um, but I would say the thing I'm really looking forward to is I'm really looking forward to having a facilitated brainstorming session that doesn't involve mural. Wow. <laughs> I want flip I want you know flip charts and things on walls and people moving around and ideas and people bumping into each other and all that stuff. I'm looking forward to that. Not that I, I mean, I love mural for it's, it's got its place in the world, but I'm looking forward to an in-person working session. I am right there with you. And I think that those are underrated. I think there's one of those things where it's like underrated now is a, is in-person brainstorming mm -hmm. session. So absolutely. Uh, well, great. So, Hey, this was a, this was a great conversation again. I hope we get to uh, do this again. Um, and uh, in person, I know that we're going to be visiting uh, the Parkville market in the next couple of weeks. I mean, and meet in person. Um, and uh, I want to be respectful of your time. So, uh, losing Eric right at the end there. So thank you guys so much <laughs> for your time and, uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to do another engagement to hear more. I think we could have all been talking for many hours on lots of different things here. So we'll yeah. have to get a follow-up in, uh, in a few months time. Matt, right. Katie, thank thanks so much. Thank you. Good talking you. with you all. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative, growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.